Um, I've lived in Durban my entire life. I love Durban. I love the city. I love this church. And I sound like I'm in a box. If that's fine. I'm just going to let Nate sort it out. Um, I'm married to this beautiful lady here in the middle of these other two. Uh, we've got two beautiful kids here. These two other beautiful ladies. As I said, I love this church. And it's a privilege to be speaking to you this morning. As a church, Harvest City believes in Jesus Christ. We believe that Jesus was both fully man and fully God. We believe that He came down from heaven to be a sacrifice for us on earth, that His blood would be shed, that our sins could be forgiven. We believe in an incredible gift of grace that we received in Jesus. We believe in His power. We believe that not only did Jesus die for our sins, but actually He rose again. That He rose from the grave, that He conquered Satan, that He conquered sickness, that He conquered everything, and He now sits at the right hand of God the Father up in heaven, completely and beautifully victorious. Does anybody else believe that? So that's what we believe as a church. And this morning I'm going to be continuing with our act series, which we have called Jesus Continued. And I say that because the reason we believe in Jesus is because we believe that actually His work continues in our world today. That it didn't just exist in His story 2,000 years ago, but actually the work and the ministry of Jesus exists in the church today. What Jesus did, what He taught, and the way that He lived our lives is what we want to do and how we want to live our lives. We want to be disciples of Jesus. We want to be followers of Jesus. We want to get to know Him more. We want to be more like Him. We want to live the way that He lived. We want to do the things that He did. And we see that being lived out in the book of Acts as we've been going through that in the last couple of weeks. We see that actually early on in the book of Acts, Jesus rose from the dead. He appeared to a couple of people and He sent them out. And He told them to go and preach the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth to continue His ministry is what He commissioned them to do. And this morning, as we continue through our Acts series, I'm going to be talking about the topic of healing. It's a topic, honestly, when I got it scheduled for me, I was like, yes, that's cool, I can preach about healing, I love that story, that's awesome. I was super pumped about it, but the more I read, and the more people I chatted to, I found out that actually, this topic is one that is met with a lot of apprehension, probably a little bit of fear, and most of all, skepticism. Because when the church talks about healing, there's so many different people in the room who had multiple different experiences. You've had different theologies of stuff. You might have experienced God in an incredible and miraculous and healing way. But you might have also had a really weird and strange experience. And some of us have been exposed to TBN on TV where we see people healing people on a stage in an auditorium. We've seen this movement of name it and claim it. Like, if you have faith, you will be healed. Just name your sickness and God will come and you will be healed. You guys went awfully quiet right there. (laughs) For some of us, realistically, we've prayed for people and their sickness has continued and it's resulted in death. And we've got everybody in this room from a broad spectrum of people who've seen God do an incredible and miraculous healing thing to people who are completely despondent and dejected because actually the person they were praying for was not healed and nothing happened. We've seen faith healers and we've seen fake healers. I'm sure all of us in the room have seen that two weeks ago news broke about this pastor in South Africa who staged or faked raising a guy from the dead who kind of woke up with these huge eyes just looking like this for the next like hour as they videoed this thing because he wanted to create a spectacle in order to attract people to his church. 
And it's those things when we talk about healing that really make us all a little bit uncomfortable as we look back over the experiences that we've seen, over the things that we've been a part in in conversation, and maybe even the, the junk that we've seen on TV, if I can be brutally honest. Anybody else out there? Any of those categories appeal to you? You've heard, you've experienced two hands. Incredibly engaging audience today. Anybody else? Fantastic. If I say it's hot, you all raise your hands. That's cool. So if as a church we believe that we need to be disciples of Jesus and follow Jesus, I think, especially in the topic of healing, we actually need to go back and look at Jesus' life and look what he did and look at the healings that he performed and the miracles that he performed. And I completely forgot that we were in this venue and we had no screen. So I have 20 scriptures to go through this morning. So if you do have your Bible or your phone, or if you don't, please sit next to somebody who does. We're just going to be flipping through in the, the book of Luke. We're going to be looking at what Jesus did. You can turn straight to Luke chapter 4, verses 17 to 21. I will read it through and you can listen if you don't have a phone or a Bible. So Luke 4, verses 17 to 21. It says, And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. This is Jesus. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. And it said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That's something I need you to remember. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Just remember that for later. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendants and he sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. That means you could hear a pin drop. This is a moment when Jesus reads the scroll, everybody is now watching him. And he says, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So we see Jesus reading out a scroll from a, a recording of what the prophet Isaiah said many, many years ago. And he says to the audience, today that scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I am the fruition of that promise of what was told many years ago. And we see in the life of Jesus in his ministry, he did three things. Number one, he came to proclaim the kingdom of God. And he went about teaching the gospel and about the kingdom of God that is coming. And we see that when he says to proclaim the good news to the poor. The second thing that he did was he came to heal the sick. And it says here to recover the sight of the blind. The third thing that he did was he set people free from evil spirits. And it says here, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So Jesus did three things. He came to preach about the kingdom of God, to heal the sick, and set people free from evil spirits. And in Luke 5, verses 12 to 13, the next chapter, if you're following along with me. It says, when he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. Leprosy is a disease that eats your skin and your nerve endings and can occasionally cause flesh to fall off. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. This was something that would never have ever happened in that day and age because leprosy was completely contagious. People were cast out of the towns and the cities that they lived in because nobody else wanted to get their sickness. But Jesus actually reached out and touched him. And the man said to him, remember, he said, Lord, if you will, make me clean. And Jesus said, I will. And he says, the shortest healing prayer ever, he says, be clean. Just two words, boom. And what's the next thing? Read the next word with me. It says, and immediately. Everybody say immediately. immediately. And immediately the leprosy left him. So this man who has a hectic sickness, Jesus touches him 
he says, I will be clean, it's gone. A little bit later down in chapter 5, verses 17, I think Grant shared this a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to read the story for those of you who weren't here. It says, As one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. This is another one I'm going to need you to remember for later on. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But... Finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up to the roof and they let him down with his bed through the tiles in the midst before Jesus. The doorways were blocked. The, the pathways were blocked. There were people everywhere. These guys could not get their friend in so that he might be in the presence of Jesus to be healed. So his friends climbed onto the roof, carrying a mattress to the paralyzed man. They broke the roof open and they lowered him down on ropes just to be in the presence of Jesus in the hope that actually he would be healed. How incredible is that? How cool are those friends? He doesn't get healed straight away. Jesus says, Man, your sins are forgiven you. Which is incredible. But you're kind of think, sitting there thinking, we're lowering this guy down. Like, we want to see him walk. And Jesus just says, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus is sitting there and he's like, he's understanding that actually this is what these guys are thinking and saying. And he answered them, why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, like I've told this guy, or rise up and walk? So which is more difficult, to forgive sins or to actually heal this guy completely? And then he says, but just so that you know that actually I am the Son of God, the Son of Man, and I've got authority on earth to forgive sins... I'm going to do the thing that you perceive more difficult. And he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately, everybody say immediately. immediately. He rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. An incredible story of a guy who came paralyzed, got lowered down through the roof, his sins were forgiven, and Jesus in a moment says, actually, it's harder to make this guy walk, but you know what? We're going to see him walk home. And he gets up immediately and he goes home glorifying God. It's a cool story, hey? If you flip over to the next chapter, in Luke chapter 6, verses 17 to 19, it says, Jesus ministers to a great multitude. And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and be healed of their diseases. So these people came from their towns. They walked many miles just so that they can hear Jesus preach and they can be healed of their diseases. These people are sick. They're carrying sick people with them just so that they can be in the presence of Jesus to hear him talk to them, teach them about their lives, and to be able to heal them. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured, and the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them all. The crowd reached out and touched Jesus, and the Holy Spirit's power came through him and healed them all. Every single person who came from far away to come and be healed was healed. If you turn your, your page over to Luke chapter 7, I'm not going to spend the whole morning reading through Luke, but there's two headings in there where it says Jesus heals a centurion's servant, and then it goes on to tell the story about how Jesus 
healed this centurion servant who had faith, who said, Jesus, you don't even need to come to my house. He sent a messenger on ahead of him. He said, you just say it needs to be done and it'll be done. And Jesus said, I've never seen such faith as this. And this guy's servant is healed when they return back to the house. And just below that, it says, Jesus raises a widow's son and he raises a man from the dead. I could go on and on and on this morning reading incredible stories and accounts of Jesus going through his life of ministry and healing different people. And we look at these stories of Jesus and we marvel at them and we wonder, well, what would have happened? What happens if I was in the crowd? What would I have witnessed? How have I would have, how would I have reacted if I would have seen this guy coming through the ceiling and Jesus healing a paralyzed man who has never walked? Put yourself in those scenarios. Put yourself into those stories and think about what would have happened. Put yourself into the scenario of being the paralyzed man coming down on a bed from the roof into a crowd full of people and you walk out taking your mattress with you. How cool is that story? Thank you, Grant. So encouraging. And we look at this and we tell ourselves, but that was Jesus. Of course he could do that. He was God. He could heal anybody. But we've got to remember that actually Jesus was fully man and fully God. He was God in human form. He was an ordinary man by every respect. He did not have any superpowers in his manhood. But remember those two passages where I said, I'm going to come back to this. In Luke chapter 4, verses 18, it said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. And Jesus said, and this is fulfilled in your hearing, but telling the crowd that actually the Holy Spirit has filled him. And later in chapter 5, verse 17, it says, And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Jesus, being fully man and fully God, healed people, but it was not because he was anything special, but because he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was the one who enabled him to heal. What I find amazing is reading through the different Gospels, we can see that Jesus' life of ministry was to do three things. You remember them? One was to preach the kingdom of God. The other one was to cast out uh, demons or evil spirits. And the other one was to heal people. And 38% of all of the stories in the Gospels revolve around a story of Jesus healing somebody. Healing wasn't just a side gig or a little job on the side that Jesus did to get by. It was the really heart of his life's work. We see these incredible accounts of Jesus going through his three to four years of ministry, just healing different people and having their lives changed as God encounters them, as the Holy Spirit empowers him to heal them. But it wasn't only Jesus who healed people. In Luke chapter 9, verses 1 to 3 and 9 verse 6, we see the title of Jesus sends out the 12 apostles. It says, And he called the 12 together. And he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And later on in verse 6 it says, And they departed and went through the villages preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. So the disciples lived a life of learning from Jesus' life, watching his ministry, understanding his teaching, seeing him empowered by the Holy Spirit, preaching to people, healing people. He then gives them the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit to go out and do the exact same thing. And they went out and did that everywhere. So where does that lead us? We're talking about Acts. We're going through a series of Acts. I haven't even opened the book of Acts. I've been speaking for 10 minutes already. So let's have a look at Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. This for me is the coolest story in the Bible. It's a story I'll never forget. I was told this as a little kid sitting in Sunday kids ministry. And I thought this was the coolest thing that somebody has ever said in the Bible. Let's read it together. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. 
And a man who was lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, that is called the beautiful gate, to take alms of those entering the temple. Basically, there was a guy who was lame, who was paralyzed from birth, and he's laid outside the temple, and he's begging for money. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took this man by the hand, and he brought him up, and immediately, let's say immediately. immediately. Come on, guys. Immediately. immediately. Sure, there we go. It's not just Grant today. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with him, walking and leaping and praising God. And all of the people saw him walking and praising God. And they recognized that he was the one who sat at the beautiful gates of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. I think this is the coolest story ever. I really do. You can imagine this guy who's in the region of somewhere between 40 years old. He has never walked a day in his life. He was lame from birth sitting at the side of the temple, outside the gates, watching people walk past him every single day. Can you imagine how frustrating that is? Watching people walk and do something that you cannot physically do. He must have been angry, he must have been bitter, he might have been dreaming of one day walking. But people walk past him, day in and day out. I think what I love is we see Peter and John stop And they look at him, and they engage with him. They call him to look at them. And as he does so, then Peter says his famous line, Silver or gold, I have none, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And this man is miraculously healed. Immediately his feet and his ankles are made strong, and he jumps up and he leaps up and he begins to walk. I mean, if you can, picture what that looks like of this guy. You can imagine him just lying down there. He gets pulled up. He leaps up. And now he's going like, he's not like a foal who's newly born, like stumbling around. I can kind of picture him just going, look at me, I can walk. And like, he's just like showing off that he can actually walk. And you can imagine him just like leaping for joy, just going, I'm healed, I'm healed. I've never walked in my entire life. But I can walk. And he goes into the temple, which he's never done before, because he was paralyzed, he wasn't allowed into the temple. And now that he was well, he goes into the temple with Peter and John. This was a day of firsts for him, a day where he took his first steps ever, a day when he went into the temple for the first time, and the people in the temple recognized that he was the dude outside who they just walked past and didn't even drop a coin in his cup. And they were filled with wonder and amazement. Sorry, I'm out of breath. (laughs) I think what's cool about this story is we can learn three things. Number one, that actually we need to have the courage to pray for people. I thought about this guy sitting at the, at the temple gates. Actually, how many people walked past him day in and day out? How many people completely ignored him? How many people were just like, oh, you're in irritation as I'm trying to get to church? Maybe some people stopped and gave him a coin or two to make themselves feel better. Maybe they had some spare change. Maybe they had a little moment in their day to go, actually, let me engage with you. How are you doing? Or maybe they were really kind and they smiled at him, they made him a meal and they brought him some food. 
I read this story and I'm challenged because it's highly relatable. If we think about Durban, how many people do we drive past, do we walk past, who are in similar situations to this man? How many people are we actually just too ignorant and we ignore? The amount of people I drive past, I don't even wind my window down to engage with is scary. And I'm not saying this to condemn us. I'm just looking at the scriptures just going, how beautiful is this compassion seeing by Peter and John to stop, to engage, to talk, to pray for, to rise up and see healed. God uses those things to do miraculous moments. It's challenged me to actually think about the people that I'm driving past, the people that I'm walking in past, to actually stop and engage. And maybe even to pray. I think Peter and John in this moment had incredible courage to do that. Point number two, that miracles and healings exist outside of the church. I think so often we become expectant of seeing God move in our Sunday gatherings and we limit him to our Sunday meetings, to this building, or maybe the MPC when we get back there. If we get back there, we'll see. But we see that Peter and John were on their way to the temple. That actually this was on the go. This was not at an event, it was on their way to an event. And we see God break out, God touch a life and change his life completely in a space that exists outside of the church and a religious organization. And I think God actually wants to remind us that miracles can happen outside of a Sunday service. That miracles can happen in our office spaces. They can happen when we're driving and we stop and have a conversation with somebody. They can happen in the grocery store. They can happen on the way to an event. We see that not only here, but also in Jesus' ministry, as he was going from event to event, that people would stop and he would engage and he would heal and he would pray for and he would teach to. And I feel like this story reminds us that actually miracles and healing can happen outside of the church. And point number three, this is a point that we often miss as we read the story, is that Peter did this, and so can we. When we read the story, we almost elevate Peter to a level where he is like, like Jesus, because he was with Jesus, because he was one of his disciples, because he was the guy who Jesus said, on this rock, on this rock I will build my church. But he was also the guy who denied Jesus three times. He was also the guy who said, Jesus, you're not going to get crucified. And Jesus rebuked and said, get behind me, Satan. He was a completely normal and ordinary and uneducated man. He was a guy who failed. He was a guy who made mistakes. But he was a guy who understood Jesus. He understood the power of God. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he had the courage to pray for somebody and to see them healed. But he was a completely ordinary man. And what that means for you and I is actually as we can be filled with the Holy Spirit, we can be empowered to go and pray for somebody and actually see them healed as well. We don't need to elevate uh, Peter on a pedestal when we read through the story and think of him as kind of a legend of the faith, one who walked with Jesus. No, he was an ordinary man empowered by the Holy Spirit. And just as he healed this guy, so can we. Eleven years ago, I went on a mission trip with the church to Mozambique. There were 40 of us. We went up to the middle of Mozambique and we broke away into different camps. And at these camps... There were a couple of leaders from different churches who came to be encouraged to hear the word of God being preached and to be sent back into their churches. And I'm going to ask Yaz to come up. Yaz and I were on the trip together. We were in different camps. We were in different locations. After we came back, after three days of ministry within these camps, we had like a debrief session around the campfire. We were just telling each other stories of what God had done. And this is a really cool story that we heard from Yaz. So I'm going to ask her to take it away. 
Yasmin. Um, so I was on this mission trip with friends, obviously, and this is probably the first time I've told this story since that campfire. I've actually never told it again. Um, I was in a really remote area, Mozambique, with about five other people, and um, we had faith to pray for people who were blind um, to regain their sight. And um, there were two people in the crowd or congregation who were blind and uh, my friend his name is Gabby he prayed for someone who was blind and so did I and both of those men were healed I could drag the story out but I'm just going to be honest that's what happened we prayed for them for quite quite a while but um, it was probably the most miraculous thing I've ever seen in my life Um, obviously they were blind and then they could see it was insane and um, in that moment I first like jumped up and down I was like insane like insane happiness and joy I just couldn't believe it and then in the exact same moment just crumbled to the ground and just started weeping because I I was so in awe um, and amazed by the power of Jesus that I, I had seen just there through me like I was 16 at the time I was a very you know, very average person. Um, so there was nothing special. It was just Jesus, and it, it was incredible. And since then, I've gone on other mission trips and just been around Durban and prayed for other people who have been healed from gangrene and from people who haven't, or for people who haven't been able to walk. And I myself was healed from a chronic illness. And just I've, see, I've actually had the privilege of seeing Jesus heal many people many times. And because of this, you would think that I probably like offer to pray for people all the time, and I'm super keen on healing, but. I would be totally lying if I told you that because I actually have very little faith in healing. Um, Sadly, like for every person I've prayed for, like 10 or 20 or 30 people haven't been healed. And I think I got got very discouraged by that over time, um, which I think you can do because it is hard to see people not be healed, like Brennan had spoken about. But um, this, even this week I was reading Acts and Acts 5 and I came across the scripture was like the exact scripture that made me so uh, filled me with so much faith to pray for healing back then and it was where uh, it's just like a small line and it says the the sick and the disabled were brought into the streets just so that Peter's shadow could touch them for the healing and that that scripture has and I'd actually like I don't know, like work something up in me when I read it again this week because I actually haven't read it for such a long time. And um, if I told you, here are eggs, flour, sugar, a bunch of other ingredients, what this is going to make is a flavored baked good and you've never seen a cake before, it's going to be really hard for you to believe that the combination of those ingredients and the method that they are made are going to create a cake that is really good. And Acts gives us this amazing picture where we are able to believe, see through evidence that something is true. And based on the truth that we are now able to believe in, the evidence that we are given, we are filled with faith that that could be replicated again in our own lives and in our time. And although for me, like, I have very honestly like lost so much faith about healing. Reading my own notebook this week about all these stories of healing, it, it, it completely filled me with faith again to pray for people to be healed. And that is what ACTS does. It's real people who saw very real experiences of Jesus healing people. And it, and it fills us with faith now that Jesus would replicate that again in our own lives and in our society. So, yeah.
So, the girl can preach, eh? I think what's amazing about Yaz's story is, is she is an ordinary girl. She was just like Peter. She was filled with the Holy Spirit. And actually, Jesus came and did something amazing. What I love about that story is we see both Yasmin praying for a guy to receive his sight and our friend Gabs, who actually was compelled while he was praying for this guy. He was reminded of the story when Jesus prayed for a blind man to be healed in John chapter 9, when Jesus spat in the sand to create mud and he anointed the guy's eyelids with the mud and then he was able to see. He felt God say, do that. And he did that same thing. He spat into the sand, he made mud and he put it onto the guy's eyes and then the guy who was blind was able to see. I think incredible stories to hear when we were doing our debrief back in Mozambique after our different camps. And I also had a story that was very similar. I saw a guy in our camp who had this massive growth on his neck. It was probably the size of a grapefruit. And it was incredibly obvious. And we kind of had this ministry time. And I didn't want to make him feel uncomfortable because it's blatantly obvious you're walking up to the guy with a growth on his neck that you're going to pray for him. I didn't want to make him feel uncomfortable. But, but I really felt to go and pray for him. So I prayed for him. And nothing happened. Absolutely nothing happened. And while we were doing our debrief, these guys are telling these amazing stories. And I'm just sitting there, I'm like, that's so cool. Like, God did something amazing. And I'm like, I'm not telling you that I prayed for somebody and nothing happened. And why do I share these stories with you? Because I think often we read in the book of Acts that these are incredible stories of people being healed and God doing amazing things and God using the early church to go and do something incredible. But when we read these stories of the early church, we think, well, if they're disciples of Jesus, these guys are like black belt disciples. Like they've been doing it for ages. They are just walking down the street, healing left, right, and center, you know? We kind of read these stories and accounts and we're challenged by them. We're scared by them. They're black belt kind of disciples of Jesus. Maybe we're white belt. We're like just starting out. And maybe we need to learn more. Maybe we need to step out in faith and do things more. Maybe we need to go and pray for people like these guys were. But I also think the reality is that the, the book of Acts for the early church is like their Instagram. You know, like Instagram for us is just people's highlights of their life. I mean, has anybody seen the hashtag living my best life? It's just doing the rounds at the moment. It's this incredible breakfast, four people sitting at this fancy hotel with a beach in the distance. They've got like five different plates of food each and they're like snapping that shot. And that's what they post. Hashtag living my best life. I'm like, cool, what about living your average life? When you're chowing your oatmeal sitting on your couch and you've got five minutes to do so because you're late for work already. Post that picture, dude. Let's see that one. And sometimes when we read the book of Acts, we think that this was an everyday occurrence because the recordings of when they prayed for people and they were healed were written down so that they could be told and they could be fa- uh, stories that filled us with faith to go out and pray for people just like he has said. But actually, did they ever write down the amount of times they prayed for somebody and nothing happened? I think they would have wasted tons of paper, to be honest. And I think we've got to read that story also going, yes, it fills me with faith, but actually we're not going to get discouraged when we pray for people and nothing happens because it also happened in that time. They just didn't record those things. Like when we were doing our Mozambican debrief, I didn't stand up and go, yeah, I prayed for somebody and nothing happened. It's of no value. It doesn't fill people with faith. It doesn't tell an incredible story. And the cool thing about healing is healing is a primary marker in our lives when we see the kingdom of God come and enter into our earth. It's a sign of things to come. And Jesus in his ministry preached about the kingdom of God coming one day. He preached about a kingdom where there was no sickness, where there was no pain, where there was no disease. He preached about an eternal kingdom where there is no war, there is no tears, and there is no death. Jesus preached when he was on earth that the kingdom of God has come and is still coming. 
He preached about the kingdom of God is now and not yet. The kingdom of God is now and not yet. And I say that because he said when the kingdom of God is now, what happens is when we pray for people and the Holy Spirit heals them, like in Yasmin's scenario, the kingdom of God is now. God renders down from heaven. The Holy Spirit empowers us. Miraculously, we see people being healed. But the kingdom of God is also not yet. Because sometimes when we pray for people, nothing happens. Because the kingdom of not yet means that one day there will be no sickness, no tears, no death. But right now, something might not happen when we pray for somebody. Maybe their sickness will continue. Maybe it will result in death. I don't know. And and on earth we live between this tension of the kingdom of God is now and the kingdom of God is not yet. And we struggle with that because it's hard. It's disappointing. It's frustrating. We search our souls. We search God. We get angry at God. We don't understand what is going on. How come some people get healed and some people do not? We don't know. But in John chapter 5, we see Jesus walk into the pool of Bethesda, which was basically a place where legend has it that an angel would come down from heaven once a year to this pool, and they would swirl the waters with their finger. And the first person who dived into the pool once the waters had been stirred up would be completely healed from their sickness. We see in John chapter 5, it says this in verse 3, In these lay a multitude of invalids. It's saying around the pool. There lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when it is stirred up. And while I'm going, another one steps down before me. So basically he's saying, I'm so paralyzed, I can never get to the pool in time. Once the angel comes and stirs it up, other people beat me to it, and I've never been healed because of that. And Jesus said to him, get up, take your bed and walk. And there, once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and he walked. An incredible moment where Jesus heals somebody else. What we don't see in that story, because we're so concentrated on the one guy that Jesus did heal, was that Jesus walked past somebody who was blind, somebody who was lame, somebody who was paralyzed, and he engaged with one person. And he healed one person. I don't know why Jesus didn't heal everybody. I don't know why Jesus didn't heal your colleague or your relative when you prayed for them. I don't know why Jesus didn't heal, if I'm brutally honest, your child, your spouse, or maybe even your parents. I can't answer that. But on earth we live between this tension of the kingdom of God is now and not yet. One day there will be no pain, no suffering, no death, no more tears. But right now there is sickness. There is disease and there is death. And in these things, we question God, we get frustrated with Him, we blame Him, but sickness and disease are not from God, they are from Satan. And we put our faith in Jesus who came down from heaven to earth, whose blood was shed so that our sins would be forgiven, so that we can be reconciled to God, so that actually we can have a relationship with God. And not only did He die for our sins, but He rose again, as I've already said. And then rising again, he completely conquered death, he he conquered Satan, and he's victorious, and he's sitting up in heaven, and he beat everything. And Jesus is the one that we put our faith in. We don't put our faith in the healing, we put our faith in the healer. We put our faith not in healing, but in Jesus who can heal. 
And even when healing doesn't happen, we continue to put our faith in Jesus because He is glorious, He is victorious, and He died for us. We put our faith in Him because of who He is and because He, he died for us. Maybe you've been praying for somebody and they haven't been healed. And you've questioned yourself. You've looked at yourself and you've said, you know, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the problem. Maybe I've got no faith. I think what's interesting about that is actually sometimes we internalize it, we process it, and we we think that actually healing is dependent on us. In the same way with regards to salvation, that there's nothing that we could do, good or bad, there's no performance measure that we can do in order to obtain salvation. All we've got to do to be saved by Jesus is believe in Him and have faith in Him. In the same way with regards to healing, it's got nothing to do with us. No, no matter how good or bad we are, all we've got to do is have faith in Jesus who can heal in order for healing to occur. So practically, what does this mean? We've been talking about healing. We've looked at some incredible stories of both Jesus, about Peter. What does this mean for us as a church today? What does this mean for us reading through the book of Acts? I think it means that we need to be a people who pray. Because if Peter did what he did through the power of the Holy Spirit, then we as the church can do as Peter did through the power of the Holy Spirit. If Jesus did what he did through the power of the Holy Spirit, then we as the church can do what Jesus did through the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we pray for people, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to come and empower us. We don't need to sit there and try and conjure up our faith and try and raise our voices as we begin to pray for this people and shout at the sickness and name it and claim it. We don't have to do a 12-step process to try and do that or maybe even dance around in the hope that God might see what we're doing and he might actually come down and heal that person. All we've got to do is have faith in Jesus who can heal as we pray for those people. And maybe when we're praying for them, like Yasmin said, she's a little bit despondent. She had no faith or little faith for healing. We can stir up our faith as we remind our hearts and our minds about Jesus and who he is and what he did for us. And we lay our hand on their shoulder and we begin to pray. And we don't begin to pray for their sickness straight away. But what we do is actually we remind ourselves and say, actually, Jesus, you are glorious. You came down from heaven to earth. You were the one who conquered Satan. You are the one who conquered sickness, who conquered death. You are glorious up in heaven. You are victorious. And as we do that, our faith begins to within ourselves and we can begin to pray for that person and pray that actually Jesus would come and heal them because it has nothing to do with us. We can stir our own faith as we look at Jesus and what he did and what that means for us as we pray for other people. We don't need to conjure up faith and shout and scream and dance around people. So the story of Acts is inspiring, it's challenging, it shows us that healing is a normal and ordinary and is expected of us as disciples of Jesus, here and now, but also that maybe it doesn't always happen. It reminds us that actually we as the church can do what Jesus did in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it reminds us that actually we too, like the early church in the book of Acts, can continue the ministry of Jesus here today. Please won't you stand with me?